Oh my god, you posted that? Delete it. I feel so attacked right now. Don't, Don't act me like, like that. that. Hey, yeah, and welcome to episode five of the Fan Art series on Don't At Me. I'm your host, Michaela Copeland, and this session we're going to look at the popular platforms of Redbubble, Etsy, and DeviantArt. Obligatory disclaimer that I am not a lawyer, never have, and do not have the intention of studying law, therefore I'm not qualified to give legal advice. This is just presenting research and providing commentary. Please seek official legal advice for thorough information and representation if you want to know more about anything said in this podcast. So we've already explored the muddy waters of companies and celebrities both loving and hating fan art, and how it exists when technically copyright and trademark law are there to stop it. Let's now move on to how websites like Redbubble, Etsy and DeviantArt deal with fan art, because as I'm sure you've seen, fan art thrives on these platforms. Firstly, Etsy. Along with Redbubble, it's a very popular platform for artists to sell their work. Etsy is a bit of a free-for-all platform. You can literally find everything there, it's probably handmade. Their infringement procedures are very serious and often final. Before we move on to their processes, let's look at who is sending the copyright infringement in the first place. More often than not, it's not the actual celebrity or business filing the copyright. It's the licensee. For example, let's say in my fictional world, Live Nation, an events promoter and venue operator, has the right to produce Bruno Mars merch. Bruno signed a contract to give them exclusive access. Then Live Nation sees that you're selling Bruno Mars merch on Etsy, well, that diminishes the standing of their exclusive rights. Therefore, they can go to Etsy and say, hey, I'm the only one with the rights to use this trademark. They're not allowed. And poof! Your shop or item is taken down. Etsy have dedicated themselves to, quote, removing material that is cited for alleged intellectual property infringement when provided with proper notice, end quote. To submit a copyright infringement claim, you need a couple of things. So let's break those down. Number one, quote, a signature of a person authorised to act on behalf of the intellectual property owner whose rights have been allegedly infringed upon. Signatures may be provided electronically by typing your name, end quote. Now, Etsy isn't Sherlock Holmes, so I'd like to know how they really verify a signature when you can just type a celebrity's name. Anyway, number two, quote, identification in sufficient detail of the work allegedly infringed upon, end quote, aka what the person is specifically used in their work that infringes upon the copyright. Number three, quote, Identification of the allegedly infringing material on Etsy, including the specific location of the material so that Etsy can go find it. End quote. This is an easy one. A URL to find the shop or the item. Number four. Quote. The name of the intellectual property owner and contact information for the notifier, including name, address, telephone number, and email address. End quote. Again, just providing details for contact purposes in the claim so that it gets sent to the infringing party via email or Etsy inbox. Number five, quote, a statement that the notifier has a good faith belief that the material is not authorised by the intellectual property owner, its agent or the law, end quote. This means they have to be like, hey Etsy, I'm pretty sure this person didn't get permission from the copyright holder. That's about it. And then lastly, number six, quote, a statement that the information provided in the notice is accurate and under penalty of perjury that the notifier is authorised to make the complaint on behalf of the copyright owner, end quote. So if you look carefully, the person lodging the complaint doesn't really have to prove with actual evidence that they have authorization to make the claim. Etsy say that they may, 
keyword here is may, asks them for documents such as identity verification of the reporting party to prove their claim, but it's not guaranteed. Also, quote, they may reject notices that contain information they believe is false, fraudulent, incomplete, or otherwise submitted in bad faith, end quote. From my experience, Etsy will side with big corporations and celebrities. Etsy will take down the listing with the infringing trademark. For example, every listing with the phrase Bruno Mars would be taken down. But what if they've made a mistake? Will they have a counterclaim section to dispute it? For example, if your listing is a photo of your dog Bruno and they somehow think it's Bruno Mars related, then you would have a case for putting in a counterclaim through Etsy. Also, if you've got documented permission from the copyright holder, you can also submit this to prove that this was falsely taken down. Etsy had made a statement saying that they, quote, can't speak on behalf of intellectual property owners, nor is Etsy in a position to offer legal advice or make legal determinations whether a shop's content infringes someone else's intellectual property, end quote. This basically means that once Etsy removes your item and you don't have permission from the copyright holder, you have to contact the lawyer who filed the infringement personally. When that's a big business or any type of celebrity, it's unlikely that you'll even get an answer, let alone the time to discuss the removal with them. One celebrity that went on a trademark rampage, as Billboard called it in 2015, is Taylor Swift. She is super protective over her trademarks and likes filing them for phrases that she makes famous, such as like, this sick beat and party like it's 1989. Personally, I think it's like a little over the top. However, she's been sending cease and desist letters since 2013 to fans making merch on Etsy with any of her 13 trademarks. She's even trademarked her initials, as if no one in the world has the same initials of T.S. Moral of this case study is just to check the trademarks of a celebrity or business thoroughly as they can often surpass their registered name or character. Let's move on to Redbubble. To save my breath, they have a very similar policy to Etsy. In a more user-friendly statement, they say, quote, Redbubble is a community built on respect and recognition of artists. We ask, rather we beg, that you remember this when you are posting your work on Redbubble, end quote. They have the same steps as Etsy in lodging a claim, don't provide legal guidance, but have a counterclaim process too. However, their explaining of the above is easy to understand and even includes cute illustrations, so bonus points to them. What makes them really stand out is a fan art program, though. It's on a whole nother level. Quoting Redbubble, for the first time ever, you'll be able to sell official fan art on Redbubble, end quote. They have a couple of steps to enter the program. Firstly, you scan their list of brand partners. And the good news is they have really big brands such as Adventure Time, Panic at the Disco and Jaws. But the bad news is that currently half of them aren't accepting new submissions right now. Once you find a brand on the list that you love and is looking for submissions, you check the brand guidelines and make your design with them in mind. Once it's ready, tag your work on Redbubble and check your inbox for the design to be reviewed and approved. Personally, I love this approach. I think it's the way of the future. Especially as Redbubble is the middleman. They deal with the legal stuff and negotiate on creators' behalf so fan artists can do what they do best. Design. DeviantArt differs from Etsy and Redbubble. It's a place for showcasing art rather than selling it. They have a very non-BS approach to admitting fan art is allowed on their site. Quote, the bottom line is just about anything that is on this site, on the web, on TV, on CDs, on DVDs, in books and magazines is probably copyrighted by someone, end quote. They have an article that explains fair use and the best ways to respect copyright. They also allude to artists actually liking fan art in the statement, quote, always respect the copyright owner and remember that unlicensed fan art exists only because the owner allows it, 
end quote. Honestly, I think that's the best quote of this whole podcast, explains everything so perfectly. However, they also have a no BS approach when it comes to copyright claims, saying they will delete it immediately. Formally, they state, this is a legal requirement which we fulfill immediately. You will not receive an advanced warning and you will not be given an opportunity to fix it, end quote. Considering their whole platform is basically the forefront of fan art, I would say that their policy of immediately deleting it is pretty fair. They give artists a lot of leniency. Their takedown process for copyright owners is the same as Etsy and Redbubble, so I'd say it's pretty standard practice. As you can see, these three big platforms have all slightly different ways of expressing their tolerance for fan art. It's a no-brainer for me that Redbubble wins this battle of the fan art platforms. However, I do encourage you to read up on whichever platform you decide to use and make sure you're complying with their rules. This episode is the last of the hard-hitting stuff. And you may be wondering where to go from here since I've just reinforced how illegal fan art is over and over again. But don't worry, the final episode is about your next steps as an artist. As always, if you have any questions you want me to research, please DM me on my Instagram at Don't At Me Podcast and I will catch you in the next episode.